Former winner of the Kate Greenaway medal, Catherine Rayner, has been creating beautiful picture books for over a decade. From Augustus the Tiger to Arlo the Lion, her depiction of character through posture and expression is a delight. Catherine recently joined Nikki Gamble in the Reading Corner to talk about My Pet Goldfish. Nikki began by asking why so many of her books are about animals. I'm an animal lover through and through. I uh, always have been. I've always been drawn to them and um, I've always been lucky enough to have pets and we lived in the countryside which so there was a lot of wildlife and because of that and because of my love of drawing I've always also drawn them so it was a really natural I don't know it's just part of me I just like animals and they have filtered hugely into my work so it brings me to thinking about this latest book um, about goldfish and one of the things that struck me is that it's easy to feel empathy for a tiger or a kitten or a polar bear, but most people don't feel very empathetic towards fish. And yet when I read this book, I do feel empathetic towards the fish. So how have you made me feel like that? <laughs> a lot of work went into that. Um, drawing fish and giving them personality without making them look like cartoons there's absolutely nothing wrong with cartoons at all. They're brilliant. But I wanted mine to look more realistic, like the real fish that could be swimming around in your tank, not necessarily with a big cheesy grin and eyes that have either tears or are wide and open. And usually to, to, to help us have empathy with, say, for example, a tiger, you've got all the body parts, which is so helpful. For example, even the tail. So if a tiger's in a really good mood, his tail can stand up, and uh, his ears can be pricked and his whole posture can be positive, what we would consider positive. And if he's sad, then his t- when Augustus is sad or Arlo, the lion book that I've done, his tail droops and his ears will droop and his whole body language will completely change. Um, and gravity is also very helpful with all of that. But fish <laughs> float. They do have some things that are really good. They're top fin which is called their dorsal fin when they're feeling sad that droops but it can also mean that they're about to pop their clogs or they're quite poorly so I didn't really want to use that and Richard isn't so much in this book it's a non-fiction he isn't showing his own emotions so to speak but you still want people to really engage with the character so in order to make that happen as with a lot of my characters but for different reasons it's a case of drawing something over and over and over and over and over again. Um, people often ask how many preparatory drawings I do for a book. And it's always in the hundreds, often in, in excess of about a thousand little drawings, just to make sure that you know something inside out, because that makes a character completely work in your mind. And I think that travels down through to your pencil and onto the page. So I suppose you have created a real real emotions for the thing that you've drawn and with Richard Richard is the goldfish Richard is the goldfish he's got a very sensible name (laughs) um (laughs) Richard the fish so I think to enable people to engage with him and to have empathy it's getting to know his personality I mean it's as simple as that but it it's not simple at all as well it's just knowing him inside and out and fish have natural character they do Mm. have personality Um, You keep fish, don't you? I've always had a goldfish since we had one called Lassie when I was little. He must have belonged to my brother. And then as I was growing up, 
I always had a fish in my room. And then I remember when I moved out of home and went to art school in Edinburgh, I really missed having a pet because I'd always had guinea pigs or a dog or a rabbit or, or fish. And a fish was something that you, you could quite easily have in a student a student flat. But people, my friends did laugh at me because they said, oh, goodness sake, Catherine, you're not five. Why have you got a pet goldfish in your room? I so I'm just like him. But then people would get to know, we had one called Dave, and uh, people would come around to see Dave. They'd say, oh, your fish is quite cool. He comes to talk to you. And he's, oh, look, he's doing that thing again. And quite like him. And as I got older, I always kept one. And then when I had a baby, I realised how much Finlay, when he was a baby, loved watching the fish that we had at the time. Who was called, who did we have at the time? Bruce and Sheila. We lived with some Australians and they went back to Australia and I ended up with their fish. And we had them for years. Can I just ask you, do they like to be solitary? Because Richard is solitary to begin with. Do they like it or do they prefer to be with lots of other fish? They do prefer to be with lots of other fish. They interact. They're actually quite sociable. They can be on their own and they don't dart around, but they do like company. My two current fish are actually quite affectionate. It's very sweet. They sort of lean on each other. So I suspect that this actually helped you because you'd been an observer, not only a keeper of fish, but obviously you'd been an observer of fish over a long period of time. And so you went into this with the fact that they have personalities and what you had to do somehow was convey that to the rest of us. Tell us a little bit now about the the book itself. It has a story. It is a nonfiction book. It's a nature story book, but it has a story. Perhaps tell us what the story of the book is. Well, the, the book came about because some people think that goldfish are quite boring and don't know how to look after them. So I really wanted to do a book that not only was a really nice story to tell with children, and I wanted it to be slightly educational because there are so many fascinating facts that people have no idea of with fish. Like they can see an extra colour to us, um, which is amazing. They do have good memories. They can remember up to three months. Uh, they actually have very good eyesight. They have a good sense of smell. And there are over 200 different kinds of goldfish. So I wanted to educate people, but I also wanted it to, the book itself to feel a bit like you were having the relaxing experience of looking at some fish in an aquarium. Because to me, there's nothing as relaxing as watching fish. If you go to a fish pond and you watch the fish swim around or you look in a fish tank and, and, and just spend five minutes just watching them, it's, I find it really, really therapeutic. So I wanted the book to have that watery therapeutic feel as well. So there are these fascinating facts, but there's also a story in this book about a little girl. She has a pet goldfish. She keeps it, but it outgrows its surroundings. And it's about her feeling that she can let it go into her neighbour's pond, which is a larger habitat, and she continues to visit the fish in the neighbour's pond. So there's also something here about responsibility towards animals. Exactly, exactly. I really wanted to let people know as well that goldfish shouldn't be kept in small tanks, but in a really gentle way, because as you know, you used to win a goldfish at a fair and put it in a bowl and you'd think you were looking after it extremely well. But we just weren't educated in how to keep goldfish because they they can live for, I think it's the oldest one's about 50 years old and they grow up to about 25, 35 centimetres. They are actually really quite big animals. Um, and they do need to have bigger and bigger tanks for their growth. So they will have stunted growth if they're kept in small tanks. So it's a way to gently, gently, without patronising or telling anybody off, explain to people 
how to responsibly care for a pet goldfish and especially children because it's it's often a first pet for a child. It was lovely. I mean, I really appreciated that. I didn't feel that anybody was being ticked off by you. And I think that is important, especially as children don't necessarily always have the control over the way in which things are kept, you know. So I I did love the way that you did that. I'd love to look more closely at some of the pages of the book and talk a little bit about what you were trying to achieve and how you resolved some of those challenges that you've talked about um, with this wonderful watery world. Perhaps you'd like to tell me which spread you'd like to start with. Yes, well, let's start on the first, the first page with the words to tell you a little bit about it. When, When I'm working on a book or I'm designing a book, I like to introduce the character on the first page and often that will mean that you have the character sitting looking at you or looking somewhere and it's a big lovely image of its personality shall we say and there's an introduction maybe on one side and then the the illustration on the other side but with with Richard there are two characters and I, I remember with this one being quite concerned because Richard had to be quite small because he's a baby fish at this point and he's right next to the little girl and her head obviously the perspective has to be correct um, so it was important that his personality really did shine out and that he jumped off the page because of the size that he had to be. But I think it does. And also I wanted their expressions. And as you were as you were saying, it is quite hard to get an expression onto a goldfish, but they needed to look like they'd not really seen each other before. So a kind of a look of surprise and puzzlement. That's not even a word, but you know exactly <laughs> as they sort of gaze at each other through the glass and she's trying to work out what to call him on this page and she says my own goldfish he didn't have a name yet so I got to choose one I called him Richard the other thing with the perspective on this was it was the first time in a picture book that I'd ever drawn a human being that size so I was I was quite nervous about drawing the little girl and I was really nervous about her hair in particular because hair is quite getting texture into it without it either looking too photographic or too flat or too solid. I just thought, I don't know what to do. I struggle with hair. And in the end, I had a great time. I think I drew that drawing of the little girl about 10 times with all different kinds of curls. She's got, because people can't see it, she's got mad curly hair. And she is kind of based on my friend's daughter who had the most beautiful curls. And, um, In the end, I just kept it very loose and very free and tried not to put too much pressure on myself to get all the details into the face. And I remember it being a huge relief when that was finished. And then on the other side, you have a very detailed, small, bright, shiny goldfish. And I've tried to make him look surprised, but without looking like a cartoon, I hope I've done it. It's, it's it's wonderful. And it's also to do with the positioning of the faces, isn't it? That also helps how you've got them in the direct sight lines of each other. I love working with composition to tell the story. Like sometimes you can take the nice thing about writing your, your own text is that often I can knock a few words out because I think I don't need to write that she gazes into in through the glass because mm. I can illustrate it. Mm. So it immediately it adds to the reading experience, I think, because the child can see certain things. Tell me about the patterning of the um, wallpaper behind. Is that a found texture that you put into the it is. Do you know what it is? It's a bit of lace that I printed from. It was a bit of lace that I found, I think, in my mum's sewing box years ago. And um, I just loved it and kept it. And I, I've used it as wallpaper. You'll see in a book that I've done called Smelly Louie, 
he has the same wallpaper in his house, but in a different colour. I'll look out for that one. Also, just while we're talking about this picture, uh, the little girl is drawn in pencil. And are those like the original pencil marks that you've left on there? And then you've gone over, it looks like crayon that you've used on top of that. Oh, I've used all sorts with her. So her face is a mixture of watercolour and acrylic ink, I think, with pencil crayon over the top and Mm. pencil. And her hair is all different types of chunky pencil crayon, pencil, ink, and I used pastels. So I had to be very careful with the artwork because pastels are so smudgy. But But it does give this, it gives it both texture and a real sort of volume and depth to her her hair as well the other thing it it probably seems like a really simple thing but I'm drawn to the gutter here which you've used obviously to good effect to create these two different spaces both the the girl's world outside the tank and the goldfish but rather than just leave the gutter there you've created a, a line presumably this is in the gutter do you know, it is, I've got the book in front of me, you can see a bit of it. And it is, if you look at the side of an aquarium, mm. this is how much you now know how much of a fish geek I am. You have a layer of glass and then a layer of, very fine layer of glue. So I've actually illustrated that as if you're looking at the side of an aquarium. So the the, the thinner line is the layer of glue and the, the thicker line is the glass. Just mm. drop again with, I think it's with charcoal actually that. But you can just see it, but it's subtle, which mm. I kind of wanted. It's amazing how much goes into uh, creating these spreads, which on a first read, people are going to read quite quickly, but there's so much to come back and look at on a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth read of a story. I'm going to take us, if I may, a little bit further into the book. And it seems such a shame to be passing so many wonderful illustrations. There's one with Richard peeping out behind the rocks and all we see is his eye and a little bit of his uh, scaliness there his brilliant orange there's one with all the different colors on it it's fantastic foliage and uh, we've got Japanese maple trees and willows and they're all just so beautifully observed but the image that I want to take us to is on page 18 and 19 and this is after Richard has been released into the pond of the neighbor It's a spread where we're looking down onto the pond. There's weed on top of the pond, multiple fish, and we seem to be able to see through different layers and depths in the water. And I was just really struck by how much has gone into creating this image. And I'd love to know a bit more about it from your point of view. I'm really glad you you picked this page, actually. I think, obviously, I'm a visual person. It's it's my job. And I, I find water fascinating, the movement, but also the contrast. And um, everyone will be familiar with duckweed. You see it on canals and all kinds of sort of wild water. And when duckweed is on the surface of fresh water, the contrast between that and the colour of the water itself is stunning. The way that the light catches the green versus the dark of the water, it just I've just always thought it was a breathtaking combination and it, it, it looks like it's been so beautifully designed because duckweed always looks so perfectly spread out. So really was desperate to include it somewhere, um, even though I knew it would take about a month to draw all the little duckweed leaves. But anyway, I enjoyed it. 
but one of the things about looking down into fish ponds is that the, the depth, the colour of the water, the darkness, and looking down into the darkness and seeing the specks of light and colour whirling around under the surface, I just think it's so exciting. Mm-hmm. And they come from nowhere and they pop up and you never know where you're going to see them and the, the rings of light that appear when they touch the surface. And even when the bugs land on the surface, it's therapeutic and I, I just think it's absolutely beautiful. And also the variety of colour that, that are in ornamental fish is... I suppose in a sense, I shouldn't really, this this was quite a selfish page because it was something that I really wanted to draw and paint. And uh, I spent a long time on it and I sort of did it for me. A lot of this book, I feel like that. I feel a bit bad about it because I enjoyed doing it so much. It feels like I've just done it for myself. The illustrating this book has been one of my favourite projects that I've ever done. I remember painting the fish and thinking they are almost as therapeutic to paint as they are to watch because you're watching them appear on the paper. They're amazing animals. People often, maybe stereotypically or even a cliche, paint water as blue. The predominant colour on this page is green. Even the water is green. I'd not really thought about that until you said it. But yes, it is. And it's really dark. And I suppose in our minds, you would if you were going to paint the sea or a puddle. You'd draw them in blue, wouldn't you? But I think my uh, mental image, if I'm just to think about a fish pond, it is dark. It's very dark and quite murky at the bottom, full of secrets and full of uh, hidden life. Just looking at the where the text is placed on the top left, um, it's on the left spread and it's in the top left corner. And behind that, we have these beautiful patterns that play on the water, patterns of light. They're very knocked back and light. Are these painted? How did you create that? Um, they're silk screen printed. So I make... Um, Printmaking often confuses people because it is quite an, well, it turns out it's quite an unusual way to make children's books. It's a very ineffective way. So silkscreen printing was traditionally so that you could mass produce, well, not mass produce, but you could produce through a screen lots of text and you only had to swipe the ink through rather than rewrite it. It's a very old fashioned way of printing, I suppose. Uh, ultimately, so that you could have an addition of pieces of artwork. But I use it as a as a way of creating one image. So there's no addition. But I printed the layers of they are leaf silhouettes. They're real leaves that I'd found. And I've worked from them and uh, kind of warped them by painting them in the way that I think that they would be if they were reflected on broken water. And then just made the ink that I paint with that I've printed very transparent so that it looks like a reflection rather than uh, something that is actually there like the duckweed yeah beautiful and then the rings of white that show the rippling Mm -hmm. they're drawn on afterwards are they yeah they were the last things to go on they are drawn with white pencil crayon and uh, chalk so just so that you know when the fish has touched the surface let's have a look at one more your choice again this time if you turn the page so just one page on is a page i loved illustrating (gasps) It's got one of my very geeky, interesting facts, which I've mentioned before, that there are over 200 different kinds of goldfish. And everybody has their favourite, which I like. But I wanted to do a page that was fo- that, that illustrated the sheer variety in shape, size and colour that they exist in. And in my books, I paint from the natural world a lot. World a lot. So I use brown, green, gold, grey, all these natural colours. But fish are just a, a colour explosion. Pink, blue, purple, every single colour under the rainbow. And um, 
the colours are so punchy. This was just a, just a treat to draw. Again, I feel like I spoiled myself a bit. So on, on this page, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different types of fish, um, including a comet, a shabunkin, a bubble eye fish, a butterfly tail and a pom-pom fish. And uh, I think some fish look like they're wearing spectacles, which always makes me happy. Really cute. And the sizes vary so much as well. It was just, you can imagine how many colours were open on my desk when I was painting this one. Yeah, and I love the, this kind of turquoise, aquamarine background, which really makes those colours, it's just the perfect colour for them to pop out at you. Were these drawn, did you take picture references or from life? Picture references for these. It's quite difficult uh, with, with this one. The, with the ones with more movement, the, a, a lot of them were sketched from life and then I've gone on to do the drawings, but I don't, unfortunately, have access to all the, these different mm. kinds of fish. The other thing is, is, if you're viewing fish in a pond, obviously you see them from above. So I did use a lot of books, a lot of goldfish care books and the internet, which is brilliant. And I watched a lot of footage, which I often do when I'm painting animals because that helps you figure out the movement and what they'd be doing and mm. how I could make them do it on the page. I just wanted to come to the end of the book. And uh, one of the things that you do in your notes, apart from tell us about your goldfish keeping, is that you direct readers to another text, another source, so that they can find out more about looking after goldfish, which I think is really great in nonfiction books, you know, to have this kind of referencing to show that information has come from somewhere and that there's somewhere for readers to go on and find out more. I would have liked to have put another 20 pages of just fascinating goldfish facts at the end. But you, <laughs> the picture book length is quite, picture books are always a certain length because of the way that they're printed. But um, yes, further reading is, if, if people are interested and they want further reading, there's loads. And I'm hoping that this book will spark a fascination in in young people and adults and parents, obviously, that they'll want to go and find out more because they won't have realised that there's such interesting creatures it's been absolutely fascinating talking to you today Catherine and giving me more insight into what I can could see was a beautiful book but had no idea just how much had gone into uh, creating it love and technique I would say I'm looking forward to seeing what's coming next from you are we going to have more non-fiction or is it going to be another story picture book Oh, gosh, there's quite a few things in the pipeline, but there is, there, yeah, there's another nonfiction book coming out with Walker Books, but uh, that'll be next year. And I've also got this year, I've got another fiction book coming out with Macmillan. Brilliant. Thanks so much for talking to me today, Catherine. Lovely to speak to you. Thank you for having me. In the Reading Corner is presented by Nikki Gamble and produced by Alison Hughes. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review. If you would like to find out about other events and courses, visit justimagine.co.uk. Join us again in the Reading Corner on your favourite podcast platform.